I want to talk to you about a nursery rhyme that you know really well. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Um, you've probably heard this before or said it yourself or had someone say it to you. Uh, it's something that we naively tell mostly children to give them a sort of false optimism when bullied. You know, sticks and stones might hurt me physically, but, you know, words, what you're saying is never going to hurt me. But the truth is, sticks and stones, we should say something like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will leave me with psychological scars that will never heal and require years of expensive therapy for the rest of my life. Um, Just, you know, think of your own life. Um, When and how has this been uh, true for you that words have hurt and might still have wounds on your uh, soul? And they might be something that was said so long ago and yet still haunt you. Um, and here's a sort of innocuous uh, example from my life because there are, there are worse ones that I just uh, don't want to share with you, but, um, you know, so be it, is that, you know, when I was younger, some people made fun of my weight, that I was a little bit chubby, and I just have a perpetual self-consciousness that I will never be satisfied. And recently... I told Holly, I got this free t-shirt at an event that was, I I told them I was a size large and I put it on when I got home and I was like, I'm in XL now, you know? I mean, it's just like, it's just sinking in that I can't pull off the large anymore that I'm definitely an extra large. Either that or clothes are shrinking. Um, That's really a possibility. And, uh, you know, I'm a a little bit sad about that because of um, some things that people said about me and my weight when I was uh, younger, uh, some people in my family and uh, some friends of mine. And there are other things that that dig deeper, and yet that's one that will linger. You know, it's not always something that's keeping me up at night, but I definitely think about it, those uh, words left scars. And if words have uh, power to sort of bind up or imprison a person, then the opposite must also be true, Um, that words also have the power to liberate. Uh, If words can um, wound us, then words that are positive um, can release us also. Um, Yesterday, I went to this event, the event where I got the free Um, t-shirt. Do you know TED Talks? if, if you don't know about TED Talks, it uh, stands for Technology, Education, and Design, and they have these videos of, um, you can go to the event, but mostly you'll probably know TED Talks from videos that you can watch online that are just uh, really interesting people who are smart that talk about the thing that they're expert on. And people gather around to listen to people talk about stuff that they didn't know that they were interested in. It's, it's a fascinating 21st century phenomenon And they have these TEDx events that are local, independently run events. And I went to one yesterday. It was TEDx Birmingham. And there was a woman there named Elizabeth Huntley. And she told the, she's a lawyer probably now in her uh, 40s or so. She was telling the story of her childhood that um, she was one of five children from her mother who had the first child when she was 16 and the fifth child when she was 21. And her mother was a, the, her father was arrested and sent to prison, and her mother was a drug dealer trying to make ends meet. And um, over time, she broke the cardinal rule, as Elizabeth said, of drug dealing, which is using your own product, and became a heroin addict. And uh, her mother ended up committing suicide. And uh, 
So these five girls were left to be raised by family members. And uh, five-year-old Elizabeth Huntley went to school, and um, <clears throat> she, uh, you know, the deck had been stacked so high against her. She was, she was a black woman uh, here in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1970s, uh, a black child. Um, her mother had committed suicide. Her father's in prison, you know, broken family, all of this. And um, the teacher said to her this first day of uh, school, uh, and her name then was, her last name was Humphrey. She said, Elizabeth Humphrey, you are going to be my brightest student ever. And it completely changed her life. She still remembers that to this day and tells that story over and over again. As she says, that was the game changer, that that thing that her teacher said to her when uh, it looked like life was so bleak and there were no options, um, nothing could go well, um, this teacher says to her, Elizabeth Humphrey, you're going to be my best student ever. And those words uh, liberated her uh, to the extent that she's become the woman that she is today. Well, Paul explains the liberating power of words in Romans chapter 4. And not only just words, but the spoken word of God. The big dilemma that Paul's addressing in Romans 4 is the question of does righteousness before God, does human righteousness before God come by works, the things that we do, or by faith, simply trusting in what God has done? That's the dilemma. You know, are we righteous in God's sight because of things that we can do to prove and merit our justification before God? Or do we simply stand okay in his sight because we have faith uh, that he says it's so? And, um, of course, he gives the example of Abraham uh, as an example to say that the righteousness does come by faith and not works. Uh, the Jews knew that if ever there was a man who was righteousness, it was good old Abe. Abraham was the universal father. You know, I mean... Um, He's the guy that if he was righteous before, if there was anyone righteous before God, it was Abraham in history. And so Paul gives the answer that it's not works, but faith. And Abraham is our example that Abraham's faith solely in the promise that God had made to him makes him righteous. Uh, not because of what Abraham did according to the law, but because of the trust that he had in God. And Paul explains that God can uh, also, as he goes on to explain this, he says that <clears throat> God can take worthless raw material and give it value. Um, uh, he describes God giving life to the dead and calling into existence things that don't exist. And the Latin phrase there is ex nihilo, which is out of nothing. Just as God had spoken creation into existence out of nothing, uh, by his promises, he can also create life where there is no life out of broken and uh, worthless raw material. And God also gave worth to Abraham, who was uh, at 99 years old was as good as dead. You know, um, he was worthless raw material, and yet God gave life. And God also gave fertility to Sarah and Sarah's barren womb simply by his pronouncement, his words. And to signify these changes, God gives them new names. 
Abram becomes Abraham just because he says so, and Sarai becomes Sarah. And that name is a really interesting one because the translation of Sarai is quarrelsome. And Sarai quarrelsome becomes Sarah, which means princess. I mean, just think about that, um, that the quarrelsome one becomes like royalty, as if a daughter of God, simply because God says so. And note the last three verses of this passage from Romans. These are really important. If you want a piece of scripture to, to meditate on, to understand you're standing before God. Look at uh, verses 22 through 25 of Romans chapter uh, 4. He says, that is, uh, that is why his faith, uh, Abraham's, was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake, Abraham's sake, alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. There's so much theology happening in here. Um, that's why I say this is a, a good little bit. Just You could spend, we can do a whole sermon series on this, but let me just tease a couple things out of it here. The phrase counted righteous, the old word for that is imputed. If you look at the King James Version of the Bible, it doesn't say counted righteous, it says imputed. Imputation of righteousness is a great old word, uh, one that gives us uh, much assurance that the, the, um, the, uh, the righteousness that we have was simply uh, pronounced to us. And as a matter of fact, the word in the Greek is logizomai. And now follow me, because every time I bring in the Greek, I, I've, I'm afraid people are going to start zoning out. Uh, so don't do that. But... The word in the Greek for imputed is logizomai, and it's similar to the word logos. And the logos is the word. If you read John chapter 1, he's talking about the logos. The word of God was Jesus Christ. Uh, a mentor of mine, uh, Fitz Allison, who made a cameo in Andrew uh, Pearson's sermon this morning, <laughs> now shows up in today's sermon. Uh, praise be to God talks about this passage and he says the word was made verb think the, the, the bird is the word bird 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 the, <laughs> just think of that the, the word made verb that the word of God the logos was done another way to say this is you are worded you are Jesus that's imputation of righteousness that is proclamation of righteousness simply by faith that God words you. He gives you the logos, says it to you, and it is yours, and God sees you as such. I once visited a, a woman in the hospital who is 96 years old uh, and was suffering uh, from maybe sort of early stages of dementia, um, but uh, she was pretty cognizant nonetheless, but she would repeat herself sometimes. Uh, and she st started talking to me about her adequacy, her adequacy. And I said to her, Minnie, why do you keep talking about your adequacy? And she told me a story about when she was a young, this is a woman who's 96 years old at the time. She said, when I was a young child, 
my parents gave me the impression that I was inadequate. And the only way that I could sort of prove myself to be adequate is I poured myself into my education and became a teacher. Um, and this thing from 90 stinking years ago was still haunting her, uh, that uh, she still felt inadequate. And so I took her hands and looked her in the eyes, and I said, Minnie, you are adequate because of Jesus Christ. And she just bawled uh, like it was the first time that she'd ever heard the gospel, sim those simple words proclaimed, making her righteous in God's sight. And maybe, you know, you don't feel like you have the raw material for righteousness. Maybe someone has told you that you're worthless and it's stuck. Um, maybe like young Elizabeth Humphrey, uh, as she said it, I was like a rag doll who was tossed around. You know, maybe you feel like a rag doll that's had the, the deck of life stacked so high against you that there's no hope. Or maybe you're as old and weak as Abram. Maybe you're barren, whatever you want to make that mean, like Sarai. And maybe you feel inadequate like my friend Minnie felt, even in old age. Well, know this, and this is from the passage today. The word it was counted to him were not written for Abraham's sake alone, but for yours also. Uh, though you bring nothing to the table, God calls into existence righteousness that doesn't exist on its own, but because of God's strength alone. And you are his brightest student ever. You are adequate to him when everyone else is saying that you're inadequate. And although you are quarrelsome, he calls you his princess and maybe even his prince. He imputes the word, the logos, to you. You have been jesus <laughs> When he sees you, he no longer sees old Sarai and Abram, but now sees Sarah and Abraham living. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but the word of God will never hurt you. Amen.